In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and I'm excited you've joined us today. This is one of my dear friends who's coming on the show. He was actually my very first guest when I decided to give podcasting a try a little over three years ago. Today's guest, he's an entrepreneur, a marketer, a growth strategist. He began his career as a CPA with the largest accounting firm in the world. He left accounting to become an entrepreneur and CEO. And, you know, after exiting that venture, Kevin definitely became a marketing VP. I'm going to talk about that today, plus a growth consultant. And a year ago, Kevin left the SaaS space to take care of his son who was diagnosed with epilepsy. One of my dear friends, somebody who means a lot, not only to my personal life, but also to my professional life. The person who got me out from behind the desk and told me, hey, you know what? You need to get to live events. They change your life. And further ado, please welcome to the show today's guest, Kevin Cohen. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on your show today. Hey, I'm excited you're here. A lot to just chew on. A lot's kind of happened in the last couple of years with you. So I thought, hey, let's circle back. Let's bring you on to the new show. But the same question I ask every single person to start the show off is, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is actually pretty simple because most of my pleasure in life comes through my family and friends. So the ability, the time, the resources to celebrate with my friends and family. And even when you're not celebrating, just to be with friends and family, that to me is kind of my cornerstone. It's especially become more important over the last year, which we'll talk about as life happens, you, you come across various positives, but you also come across a lot of heartfelt pain. A lot of really, really tough things can happen in life. And I've been faced with one of those and it really causes you to reflect and determine what you want out of life. No, definitely. You know, it's interesting when I get to think about the journey I went on a little over, you know, six years ago of really getting connected with you, like in the space of you know running a business and you've seen and heard my challenges that I've been able to go through, being able to, you know, be there as a support for you, a friend to do the best that I can to help you. And we're going to talk a little bit about it with your son and just the dynamics of your family, some of the things that have just changed. I call it like driving down the road and someone besides you you know, reaches over and pulls the e-brake, right? Life just stops for a moment. And you're like, what's really, really important? And I think you beautifully like stated, you know, your definition of success is really being there for your family and being there for your friends and your loved ones. I mean, I think there's nothing really finer in life than really finding that little ingredient that gives you all the hope that you need. Like, you know what? I'm just going to focus where I'm at. I'm going to be good no matter what. And that comes, I also believe you have a really strong mindset and I like that about you. That's one of the things that we've been able to work on through our years as our friendship. So where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Portland, Oregon, grew up in the rain. I was a, a ski rat on Mount Hood, played a lot of competitive tennis. I was always moving. I'm also very academic. My parents were very much into academics. And one of the things that I really have reflected on recently is one of the tools that my parents gave me that made such an amazing difference was they gave me a love. Well, they introduced me to reading and it turned into a love for reading. So as you know, Tony, I am a true student. You know, I read voraciously. I study all the time. And it's really made a huge impact on my life. 
Was that something like as a kid, parents walk into your room, there's Kevin sitting on the bed reading or did you parents kind of like have to twist your arm to read? You know, it started out where it was a little bit of the twist your arm kind of thing in that my parents really pushed me to read. But then, you know, I remember when my skills got good enough in terms of reading that they started to introduce me to books that were in my, you know, that were interests of mine. So sports, you know, sci-fi, a variety of subjects, you know, that came up. And all of a sudden, reading was fun because I was reading about things that I was interested in, not things I was told I had to read. And where did you end up going to college? My freshman year, I went back east to Tufts, which was one of these great lessons in life where just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So academically, I felt like I needed to go to as good of a university as I could get into. I was a really good student, but I was also very busy with other stuff. So I was kind of that 3-8 student that couldn't get into Stanford and the Ivy League schools, but I could get into that next tier below it. So I was recruited for tennis, which is D3, so there's no scholarship, but I was playing D3 tennis at Tufts, and I went there. And I realized I had made a decision that was on paper looked good, but when it came down to it, it wasn't what I was looking for. So I spent a year there and then I spent three more years, actually four years at University of Oregon, where I got two degrees, one in general science and one of them in accounting. But I would say the best accomplishment I had in my college career was meeting my wife in college. (laughs) I like it. Mutual friend of ours, Jeff J. Hunter, put out some content today. He asked an important question to Tom Bilyeu, the founder of Quest Nutrition, really kind of like success, right? Like, and he said to find something that you're really, really, really passionate about. And sometimes in life, we find things that we think we're passionate about, but those things change, but we don't give up kind of still going down that road, that path. We think that, you know, hey, it's all going to work out. Something is going to change. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your wife because I think it's super important because I'm not where I'm at in life without an amazing woman by my side, you know, encouraging me, you know, pushing me, been there through leaving a job, not having health insurance, having a baby due in three months and going like what? So what's it like having such a supportive, just an amazing friend by your side? We're going to talk about the adversities you guys are dealing with, but just like, just take me back to college. What was dating like for you? Was it easy, fast? Was it like you knew right away or did it take a long time for you to know she was the one? First of all, it was just very easy because the biggest thing I would say that was great about Erica when we were dating in college is that she enjoyed my friends as much as I did. So there wasn't a lot of like jealousy over time and jealousy over, you know, oh, I want you to be just with me and not with your friends. So it was very easy because my friends loved her. She loved my friends. I loved her friends. So we all could hang out and it wasn't so serious. And that was the nice thing about it because I was not in a time in my life where I wanted a lot of seriousness with respect to dating. And so it just came easily. And, you know, what I didn't know going into it was that she was going to be such a rock star businesswoman herself. You know, those were not things that I had seen. But what I did see was someone that had amazing communication skills, someone who knew how to get people to feel good and want to join her in whatever mission she was on. And she just had a lot of zest for life and knew how to have fun. It's cool. So you, you guys get out of college, you meet the woman of your dreams. Is that pretty much when you kind of picked up your career as a CPA? Yeah. So immediately, so what I did is I got a degree in general science. I was thinking with an emphasis in biochemistry, I was thinking that I would go into medical school. I did two summers of research at Oregon Health Sciences in the neuropathology department and quickly realized that I was not that person. 
again, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So I had academic success in sciences, but really it wasn't what I wanted. I had grown up in an entrepreneurial family and always had been exposed to business from day one. What did your parents do? So, well, it started with my grandparents. My grandfather owned a wholesale grocery business as well as a wholesale beer and wine distributing business, which he sold the second business in the late 90s. And so that created an economic windfall for him and also for my mom and her siblings, which was neat. And then, you know, my dad bought and sold several different businesses. One of them was an insurance agency. Another one was security guard business. My mom operated in the nonprofit space, but she was actually the one that would raise money for large capital endowment campaigns. Hmm. So the Portland Art Museum, the Symphony, an assisted living facility, she just was masterful at getting people to believe in her vision. And she would raise millions of dollars in these capital campaigns, working with, you know, you know, really big donors, and she knew how to make it happen. So she was extremely talented. So one of the themes was I was always surrounded by both capable men and women which is very nice. Yeah. When you look kind of a, just what you described from, you know, grandparents, grandfather, entrepreneur, dad, you know, bought and sold various businesses, your mom, nonprofit, it goes back to, you know, success, right? It goes back to that family component and having a strong bond. What is the lesson that your grandfather taught you? Well, my grandfather had a very unique approach. I would say that, you know, his real talent was he was very much the stoic. So he was very calm. He was very collected. He let the numbers let it lie. So he was very numbers driven. He was very stoic in his approach, very organized, very thoughtful. So, you know, those are kind of things that he did very well. I would say the things that, you know, I would probably have, you know, in a different vein not have done is, you know, he could be a little harsh on people. And so his empathy trigger as a grandparent was very strong, but to some of his employees, he could be a little harsh, but he was a great guy. And I feel very fortunate that I had a long relationship with him. He was alive through post-college and they were very much part of my life, you know, growing up. What's something that your dad instilled in you as a child that you kind of still recall today? You know, my dad was a true intellectual. I mean, he really, really just showed me what, you know, education and study and learning can really bring to your world. I mean, he was always an academic and really knew what it was like to dig in and learn a subject. And so one of the things that was great about that is like when I get approached by a client who has a problem and they say, hey, help us with X, I'm like, even if I don't know the solution, I'm like, well, I have a process for learning how to find out what's the best practice in the market. What are some case studies out there? How could I modify that approach to Mm. make it so it's, you know, something that my clients or my friends could use? And so just really understanding that it's okay to be a lifelong learner. There's no line in the sand where your knowledge stops. You have to be constantly be evolving. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So you're here at the accounting firm, you know, and you're having fun. You're not really having the kind of fun that you wanted. One day, was it something you kind of plan for a while to exit or did something happen and you're like, you know what, I'm done and I'm drawing my new line in the sand and I'm moving on. I'm going to go follow something else. Yeah. So, well, there's two things. So the first thing was, is that I needed two years under my belt to get my license. So I knew that I had to be there minimum of two years. So that's cool. That was clear. But yes, there was a couple situations, but one in particular where one of the things that was very interesting is that most accountants are very anti, not antisocial, but they're more kind of intellectual, quiet types is the way I would describe them. They're not very social creatures. And so one of the things that happened was that I remember in a review, I got 
one of the things I needed to work on was that I had a manager who thought that it was inappropriate for me to have uh, personal outside relationships with our clients. So for example, and specifically what it was, is mm. there's a software client that I became good friends with the CFO and we were doing an M&A transaction audit for them. And the client invited me to the Portland Trailblazer game and didn't invite the manager who I was reporting to. And there was a lot of jealousy around that. So it came up in a review and I was like, wow, this is not the place for me. If someone's going to be jealous that I'm building relationships with a client, then that's a problem. That's about them, not about me. And unfortunately, that mindset, you know, I was at a firm that was very militaristic. It was the largest accounting firm in the world. And emotional intelligence was not part of their repertoire. What they were doing is they were burning and churning young associates to fill the pipeline. And they wanted to get everything done that they could get done. But it wasn't a place where they were looking really to develop talent. You know, you leave and then you're sitting there going, wow, I just spent two years of my life. But you know, the one thing, Kevin, that I've always admired about you, and you talked a little bit about with your dad and the intellect and kind of your ability to dig in and just figure it out, right? Like there's something about you. It's a skill. It's something that you've worked on to sharpen because when you're young, you're not twist my arm to read a book. Now you just read a book because it's good and you want to learn. And you said, you know, you stop learning, you kind of do get left behind in our world and our society today. So now you leave, now you're sitting there going, all right, what's next? So kind of starting your real kind of your entrepreneurial journey, right? Now you're digging into, all right, what are you going to do? And you went into business, I believe you and your wife, did you guys open up a pizza business? Yeah, we started a gourmet pizza chain called Bene Gourmet Pizza. And the goal was to reinvent a commodity, just like Starbucks had reinvented a commodity with coffee. Our intent was to reinvent a commodity with pizza. So we opened up in Eugene, Oregon, which is our college town. So what I did is... You know, I worked through the end of 99 in public accounting and then left after I got my license and I was writing my business plan in the fourth quarter of that year. So I knew I was leaving. And then what I went out and did is I raised a bunch of money for a gourmet pizza shop. And I knew that I didn't know how to make pizza. So we hired an executive chef. We hired an architect that had built out retail spaces for Starbucks. And we actually got a bunch of investors that were early investors in Starbucks and recruited some advisors that were also Starbucks people. So we, you know, we went out and got as much talent and mindshare as we could. And the one thing that I knew from my experience in public accounting was that if I created SOPs and processes for all of the different steps of the business, we could eliminate follow-up failure as much as possible. It's never going to be perfect, but you know, we wanted to create at least a foundation for consistent, high-quality action. So right from the get-go, we developed it. The other thing that I had on my side was I had my wife who <laughs> recruited to join me, and she was an amazing team builder. So I didn't have to focus on that because that's not my core competency. That's hers. And so she focused on building the teams out. I focused on building the machine. We both worked in the operation. And, you know, we were able to scale it to five stores in two states. And, you know, so the first couple of years were really hard. The next couple of years were great and we made some really great money. And then the last year was not so great. But that was 2008. And everybody knows what happened in 2008. We basically got really a 30 percent make pizza. Yeah. I mean, we basically got a 30% haircut in 2008 to our top line revenue, which basically took us from making money to breaking even or having a slight loss. 
All right. So now you're sitting and finding yourself. There's also an interesting pattern. And I think I've experienced it myself, right? I don't necessarily call it burnout, but I just, something else is striking and stoking that fire inside of me. And I want to pursue, I want to go after stuff, right? You know, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, well, that was fun, but I have all these regrets. And it sounds like somewhere around your path from kind of childhood until adulthood, something's triggering inside of you more. And I think it's part of what we're talking a little bit about today is having that ability to know that you're not a tree, as Jim Rohn talks about it. You can get up and move. You can go try new stuff. There's no line in the sand. Like you can change, you know, the wind's going to change today. It's really the set of the sail. It's like, you know what? You can make adjustments. You can keep improving. And so now you're leaving the pizza business. And really a couple of years after you kind of leave the pizza business, I meet a dear friend of mine at the time who said, I really need you to meet Kevin. And, you know, I just said, fine. I remember, I still remember I was at Panera Bread, ordering some food, kind of half listening to you, trying to half order my Panera Bread. And I just kind of just really then stopped in my tracks, sat down, and I just listened to you. And I got to know your heart and I got to understand a little bit about you. That's one thing that anybody who gets to know me knows. I'm not sitting here to talk surface. I'm going to get deep as fast as I possibly can, waste the least amount of time so we can spend more time on the good stuff. And you and I have been able to build just, you know, an impactful, I just think like the impact you've had on my life, my family and chip offers has been phenomenal. I mean, anybody listening, Kevin is the consultant we go to at chip offers. He's been consulting for us for about five years, taking us from a low seven-figure company to an eight-figure company and really helping us to see our blind spots, right? Everybody knows that it's hard to get into a car and know the direction you're going unless, A, you determine where you're going, and then second, you're going to go, how am I going to get there? Kevin's been able to come in and help us not take shortcuts, but find the best course to get us there with the least resistance, but then also help us to have those lessons and overcome them and then talk us through it so we can apply, you know, methodology and language to how things are happening. So, you know, Kevin, you know, I wanted to bring us to this kind of transitional point because what I'm going to do is take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to take the audience, anybody listening today, who's kind of like, you know, here's a guy with this diverse background, kind of want to think of it like you're going to get on the court with Kevin and we're going to play some tennis when we come back. We're going to go back and forth a little bit. And you're going to be surprised how many aces he's going to get in. And you're not even going to have a chance to blink because that's the type of person Kevin is. He sneaks up on you real quick, delivers, and you're like, damn, I didn't see that one coming. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break on the Be Fulfilled show. We're talking today to Kevin Cohen, you know, and I think just an entrepreneur at heart. And we're also going to be coming back, talking a little bit about the adversity and how to overcome some of that and also how you can't prepare for what you don't know is coming. But if you have the right mindset, it can help you when adversity comes your way. And every one of us on this planet is going to face adversity at some time. So I hope you stick around and listen to today's guest, Kevin Cohen. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Today's special guest, Kevin Cohen. Question was asked at the very beginning of the show, what's your definition of success? And time after time throughout this entire conversation, it's come back to family. And that's what Kevin is to me. 
his family. He's not just somebody that I have on my phone and I occasionally talk to. It's like a brother. It's like, you know, that person that you just want to hang out and get to know, but you don't have enough time. So you shoot a text, you shoot a quick FaceTime video, whatever. It's the guy you want to constantly have around you. And so we wanted that too. And so we ended up hiring him as a consultant here at Chip Offers to really help us manage life and day-to-day operations. And he's kind of taking us from the entrepreneurial type business that we've been able to run successfully for like the last, you know, 18 years flipping the script and getting the mindset, all right, let's build an organization around you. Let's get you some structure. Let's get you the flexibility and freedom. So, you know, you don't have to escape from your business, but you can go enjoy vacation. You can go enjoy life, have a business, have people running it and knowing that, you know, it's going to keep your core values, your mindset issues and everything that you've got going on for everybody else to enjoy. And it's not going to collapse. So I've learned even working with them for five years to have to give up knowing it all. And I'm not saying that I do, but it's certainly when you've run a business for as long as I have, you start to think you know it. And then a guy with fresh air comes in and breathes new life into you and says, hey, you may know it all, but have you ever heard of this? And I'm like, nope. And right then and there, you know, he's got all my attention. So Kevin, welcome back to the show. Thanks, buddy. I want to talk because I'm going to make it happen really quick. And then I think as we come down Success Mountain today, we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, being a full-fledged entrepreneur, growth consultant, working for multiple companies, getting into the SaaS industry, you know, consulting at chip offers. And then all of a sudden life hits you like a ton of bricks and nowhere out of the blue did anybody suspect this is what's going to go on. And now you've got a child, a son diagnosed with epilepsy. And I just want to tell you, man, I want to put some information at the end of this show to give anybody listening some heads up so they can understand it. But did you see any warning signs of anything coming on? Yeah. So I have two boys, one seven and the other one is now four. But when my youngest son was two and a half, he started having what's called Amazon seizures, which are basically like staring off into space for a couple seconds and then coming back. And that was like the beginning of it. You know, it happens at different times for different kids, but that doesn't mean the kid has epilepsy. And the thing that people have to understand is that epilepsy is this big spectrum of diseases that is like cancer. So if you say epilepsy, it's like dozens of different diseases that are packaged into a simple name. And none of them are the same. But the thing you should know about epilepsy is just like cancer or any other major disease, it's not just impactful on the patient. It has major impact on families, education, healthcare, all these different ramifications that come into play. So it started in the summer when he was two and a half, started to exacerbate over the next year. It really escalated in December of 2017 when he had an EEG that showed some very abnormal brainwave patterns. He was admitted to the hospital, had a series of tests, blood tests, which included a various genetic tests, EEG, 3D MRI, variety of other tests that basically gave us no indication of what was going on. And then later on, we did this, the most expensive genetic test you can get, which revealed a genetic syndrome that expresses with epilepsy and developmental delays. Okay. So basically at that point, we were faced with the realization that our child will not be normal. Right. What is a new normal for you? Um, you know, it's our new normal is we have a very active, healthy seven-year-old who's a successful second grader. And then the other part of our normal is continual care for a epileptic child, which includes medication and a bunch of therapies and ongoing 
doctor's visits and then, you know, trying to squeeze in making a living here and there. I'm very lucky in that, you know, my wife is a COO for a publishing company and she makes really a nice living. So I was able to cut back on my activities for the last year to really take care of my son because he needed it. He was out of school every week. And from this point, tell me a little bit about the day-to-day. Is he, is he in school whatsoever with a little bit of understanding and control now over what you guys all know? Or are yeah. you full-time dad 24-7? So he is in school Monday through Friday in preschool. And we're very fortunate. We live in a school district that's amazing, that has an early intervention program that's very, very top-notch for California. So he's in school from essentially eight to two. And then he comes home and then on a couple days a week, I have him. And a couple days a week, we have a third-party babysitter who helps out. He goes to two to three therapy sessions outside of school per week. And then I administer medication to him three times a day. Some of it's pharmaceutical and some of it's uh, nutraceutical. So some CBDs, melatonin to help him sleep because kids that are have neurological issues like epilepsy or autism often sleep poorly. So we have to augment it with melatonin. And the reality is we had four great months of no seizures. And unfortunately, in November of this last year, he got sick with a cold and he grew so much during that healthy period that all of his ratios were off. And so now we're scrambling again. So you know, it's ebb and flow. We had four wonderful months and now it's for the last month that it hasn't been so great. How are you doing? Depends on the day. I'll be honest. You know, the first several months were awful. The first several months were awful. Probably the most gut-wrenching thing I've ever dealt with. Sure. To be honest, I don't think that without yoga, the support of my family and friends, and just my wife being a rock, I would have made it through. I don't know. You know, the, the reality is the divorce rates for people that have seriously sick kids is super high. I don't know if people know that because the stress is so high. And so the easy thing to do is to forget to nurture your relationship. And luckily we have really spent a lot of time making sure that we date each other still and that we get out there and go get massages together and have a bite to eat, break some bread. Because if we didn't do that, I don't know if our marriage would survive. I just asked my wife today if she wants to go on a date tonight. She says, just as long as we don't go to that one movie theater. <laughs> we go to this one theater and it's like, now all the theaters have like these laid back seats and you can lay down. This one doesn't. They still serve food. And I'm like, I know, but it just, I like it. It's easy. It's in and out. It's like, it's still small and elegant. It's not like this stuffy one. So totally. like, whatever, baby, I'll take whatever you want. We'll do. So I think it's yeah. really important what you said too. It goes back to success, right? Is like, you're all in. You're 100% all in. You may not know what all in means, but I just know one thing that it doesn't. It doesn't mean you're going to quit. It's going to mean you're going to work hard, really hard. You're going to figure it out. And, you know, Kevin, I got to tell you, man, I, you know, as a person who's personally got a chance to know you a little bit better than most people, I know it it wears on us. It, It takes a toll on who we are. And I think the thing that you mentioned that was really beneficial is the oxygen mask on you first, helping you to like yoga, meditation, you know, reading. going running, going play tennis, taking your dog for a walk, whatever it may be, helping you so you can be prepared to help your kids, right? And I think that's ideally what we forget to do is we're so busy, caught up in helping everybody else, we forget to help ourselves. So it's it's really awesome. I had a couple questions for you, and then we're going to jump real quick into the fulfillment round. You have a good perspective of me. Yep. And I love asking questions. You posted the other day, it's like, I love when 
when you ask me to think a little deeper, right? You make me think a little bit more. What is something that you have learned to appreciate about me that at first you didn't, but now you do? Um, when I first met you, you were stuck in the office and, you know, you were focused on day-to-day survival of the business, you know, and, and one of the things that I really learned early on is that you have in your DNA a need to serve and help other people. And so, I mean, it ties into the story that you told about at the beginning where, you know, you're this gregarious, super caring guy who's a natural connector. You're, I mean, that's the way I would describe you. I mean, you're just a natural connector. And you're also, you serve others very diligently. What I didn't necessarily know was where it could go and how impactful it would be. So just to give you guys some example, I mean, Tony, during the time from when we met, you know, you were doing seven figures and now you're eight figures. I mean, your business grew, I don't know, by several thousand percent during that time. But just the impact of getting you out on the road, I didn't really know how big that would be, but it's certainly big. And the thing that I would never have known about you was how you would carry your social mission beyond your connections with the 12 steps and recovery that, you know, people that are going through recovery, but also how you built this be fulfilled community, which is really, we're just now seeing how it's really impacting so many lives. So I think that the biggest thing is I knew it was important for your business. I had no idea the impact in which it would make. The other thing is I didn't know how good of a friend you were going to be to me. I just didn't know, you know, we met and I knew it was easy to be around you. I know that we had some great laughs and that we enjoyed the feedback and learning from each other. Um, I just didn't know how big that would be. And so those are the kind of things, you know, a lot of them are around our relationship and some of them are around your impact on the community. And I think the more that you get out there and serve other people, the more you're going to be rewarded as life circles back around. No, I want, I just say thank you. I mean, I think, you know, so many times, you know, I, I forget to stop, right? You know, I'm so busy helping others that I forget to help myself. That's why I went through that whole analogy of oxygen mask, right? So I just put the oxygen mask on first, yep. asked you a question, kept breathing for a moment because the thing that I'm working on, which has been very difficult in this kind of like chunk of time in my life is taking, not constructive input, but just taking grace from people and just letting them say, thank you for helping me do this or helping my son do this. And, you know, I try to deflect really quick. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's no big deal. So you are a good person for me just to sit and just say thank you because I appreciate it. So what I'm going to do, so you, if you're interested in learning more about Kevin, you can visit various places. His LinkedIn profile is a phenomenal place to start. Just Kevin Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. So kevincohen.com is also another great place and resource. You can email Kevin at kevincohen.com. Those are like great resources that if you heard a little bit about who he is, his genius, his thought processes, his systems. Maybe you have a child dealing with epilepsy. Maybe you have input, advice, you know, any kind of thing that could better this person's life. I'm encouraging you to get connected. But as a business consultant, there isn't anybody that I would recommend more than you. And I'm grateful for having that kind of close relationship. We talk every other, you know, Wednesday or you talk to our office manager every other Wednesday. So we're always in communication and then we have our friendship as well. So thank you so much. Well, thank um, you, buddy. Call this the fulfillment round. Random questions. I don't even know what they are yet. I'm literally going to pull them out as I start asking. What we're going to do is ask about 
six or so questions. These questions are to get to know you at a deeper level. Anybody listening today kind of would be like, hey, I wonder what he does in this scenario. We're going to ask that question. There's no phone a friend. There's no right or wrong. There's no I don't know. I just ask that if you don't know, you BS me enough so I believe what it is is the answer. Deal? Sounds great. All right. So take a deep breath. Here we go. You are a product of the 70s. If you had to kind of count on music genres that you grew up listening to, are you more of a product of the 70s kid or an 80s kid when it comes to music? Mm, I have a pretty diverse music background. I mean, I grew up listening to, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, Billy Joel, some different jazz. We went to musicals. You know, the 70s, my parents weren't hippies, so we didn't get exposed to that until later. But then I did. I like a very broad area of music just because I find that you know, good music is good music, regardless of the genre and area. So you just have to be open enough to listen to enough things that you'll find stuff in every era that you participate in. All right. So it's date night. You've got a month to plan this date night with your wife. You're going to take her to a concert. Who's coming and where is the concert? Where are you going? Who's your like dream band or dream singer or dream group? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we would do is kind of more in the folk genre. So like an Amos Lee or James Blunt at a small venue would be ideal. I'm not a big concert person. I just, you know, I don't love big crowds. I mean, I do enjoy like going to Oregon Duck football games, which I haven't for the last couple of years. But for me, a a small, more intimate place would be great. Your tennis style, more like John McEnroe or Roger Federer? Ooh, interesting. So um, I would say probably... It's probably been more John McEnroe in the past, and it's evolving towards Federer. One of the things that you know about me is that I love to work out. And it's to me, it's cheap psychotherapy for me because I can get rid of all the white noise. And so over time, my fitness has helped me a lot in, on the court and off the court. So I would say that I have a natural serve and volley game, which is more McEnroe, but I would aspire to be more like Federer. I like that. What's your wife's go-to sport? Does she have an activity or something that she loves to do? You know, she loves to work out and she does a lot of yoga as a spectator. You know, we both like college football a lot. Um, We're big Oregon Duck fans. We watch a variety. She played high school basketball. So I would say football and basketball are kind of our go-tos. And then, you know, for fun, you know, we'll chuck a football around. We'll shoot hoops. We'll do a variety of stuff. A lot of it, as you know, as you get kids, you kind of do what your kids do. Sure. All right. So I've got a young son who's uh, almost 18 getting ready to pick a university. He's applied to University of Oregon. You are one of many ducks that I know. What would be something you would advise somebody getting ready to maybe say yes to Eugene, Oregon? What should they be prepared for besides the rain? Yeah. I mean, I would just say like for anybody going out there in college, just experiment as much as you can in terms of different experiences. Take different classes, take in different cultural events, go on road trips, do as much as you can because there's plenty of time to be serious. And that's the one time in your life where you're, before you have to go to work and really earn a living and you're out of the house outside your parents' realm, that's the time to explore and really see. So do that road trip for a football game. Go to the coast and have a bonfire on the beach. Go to Mount Bachelor and ski in waist-deep powder. Go to Portland for an awesome concert. But just do. Because the reality is you'll never get back that time. So you just need to maximize as much of those opportunities as possible. What you learn in any school you go to is not what you do in the classroom. 
It's what you learn about yourself in life. No, I think that is just a really great way of kind of tying everything in we talked about today, right? Be diligent in your skills and your studies. Never get to the point where you think you know it all because there's always somebody who's going to come along and going to share something in your life that's going to show you so much more. Be open to adversity because it's going to happen, right? You don't plan for it, but it's the attitude. It's the mindset. What are some daily kind of habits, rituals that you do to prepare you for the right mindset each and every day? Yeah. And this is constantly evolving and testing. And so my latest one, because that's the one that I'm dealing with now, is that Every morning after I take my kids, either I get my kid ready, my youngest for the get ready and ready for the bus, and then I take my other son to school. So the next phase for me is I go for a walk and I listen to books on tape. So for me, learning is a big component. So if you say, like, Tony, you often talk about, you know, your bucket list of what makes a day great, you know, your checklist for success for the day. For me, it's learning and being outside. So I do that immediately with my dog. The second thing is, is that when I get back, I've been experimenting with the Calm app and doing meditation. And then I'm journaling. You might know something about that. I have a journal that you know I bought from befulfilled.com, right? And I've been journaling in there. And you know, then from there, I create kind of my basic to-do list for what I need to do for the day. So for me, I get a lot of joy of crossing it off. But I would say like getting outside, learning, meditation, and journaling are the four things that if I do in the morning, I'm pretty well set up for the day. And I love it, man. Kevin, I just can't thank you enough. I know every time I uh, spend time with you, there's always more questions and more ideas to kick around with you. So what I'm going to do is just keep moving forward and keep talking to you each week. And when I get things to come up, I'm going to share them with you. So started out like John McEnroe, more like Roger Federer. Talked a little bit about folk music, James Blunt, joining like quiet venues with his wife, you know, from Simon and Garfunkel in the 70s to Billy Joel, just having a good time. Thought he was going to throw grunge in there. He didn't, but today's guest. I I love rock, but it's contextual. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Today's guest really is one of those guys who just has a big heart and cares a lot and really wants to do good. And it shows up from everything that you've talked about today, the different jobs, the kind of being there for a certain amount of time, getting kind of what you can. It's like so many people forget that, right? Ship offers. We're just a stepping stone for your greatness. You come, you serve when you're time to go, take a step and go in the direction you're needed. That's what our job is, is to build you up, lift you up and get you ready for that next thing. So thank you, Kevin, for being here today, for being a guest on the Be Fulfilled show. All the show notes are going to include contact information on how you can get in touch with Kevin. Everything that you need is right at your fingertips over at TonyGrebmeyer.com. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today today, this very moment, the best, regardless of what you're going through. Find something in this moment to be grateful for and watch how everything around you just brightens up, right? You can't change what happened, but you can change what you do about it. And that's really what I want to leave you with in this season as we kind of go deeper into that whole context about, you know, how do you make today great? First, it's mindset. First, it's a decision, but it's really action. And your attitude determines the outcome. So go make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever.